Now, the greatest tactic of the enemy and the age-old trick is to catch people off guard. If there ever was a lesson of Pearl Harbor, the United States of America was totally caught off guard on a Sunday morning when I'm sure there were many sleeping in, when those that were supposed to be on high alert watching for the enemy were totally unsuspecting. And of course, the great advantage of submarines. Welcome to Let the Bible Speak. This is Ian Gallagher, and thank you again for joining with us, and I trust it will be a blessing in store for your heart as we come together around God's Word. We're turning to 1 Peter 5, 8. We're looking at Satan who goes about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. We know that Satan is a nasty beast, and he's the enemy of all of God's people because he's the enemy of Christ. And if you're in the army of the Lord, if you're in the ranks of the redeemed, you can be sure that Satan will be out to devour you. He's going about seeking whom he may devour. And we must be very careful we don't give the devil the advantage. That's our main message today as we come to the pulpit ministry of our church from our free Presbyterian church here in Cloverdale. But firstly, we have a few thoughts from the Psalm 21. And we're going to look at the time to give thanks. This is a psalm that's all about giving thanks. And we've already looked at the people to give thanks. We've looked at the reasons to give thanks. And now we're looking here in Psalm 21 on the time to give thanks. And the simple answer is, as soon as the answer is given. No doubt we need to praise God every time he answers prayer for us. And the praises of Psalm 21 are in light of the answers to the prayer of Psalm 20. David was going into battle. He was standing out against his enemies, and he called upon the Lord. Psalm 21, he's returning from the battle. He has gotten the victory, and he remembers to praise God. In verse 7, let me read this. For the king trusteth in the Lord, and through the mercy of the Most High, he shall not be moved. And, of course, that's uh, how we should at all times trust in the Lord. We are to continually trust in the Lord. We are to do everything trusting in the Lord. Uh, for me, that means preaching. That means going to uh, the church service, uh, going into the pulpit, leading the service, preaching the word, trusting in the Lord, not depending in my own strength nor power, not depending in my own uh, oratory or play with words, but trusting the Lord to take his word, write it upon the heart of each individual, and bring men and women to faith in the Lord Jesus using his own word. Then we move down to verse 12. We should give thanks to God when the enemy is defeated. Therefore shalt thou make them turn their back, when thou shalt make ready thine arrows upon thy strings against the face of them. And he goes on to praise the Lord. Be thou exalted, Lord, in thine own strength. So shall we sing praise unto 
for thy power. And here is the time to give thanks. When we see the Lord Jesus vindicated and exalted, then it is truly time to give thanks. And when our Lord is given honor and success in his work of redemption, then we as subjects have to cause to give thanks unto him. Now, how can the Christian cease to praise God for the victory of Christ at Calvary? And there, of course, we're going to learn today that it was there that uh, the Lord defeated the enemy, defeated Satan, and by the blood of Jesus that was poured out on the cross, offering up the body of Jesus as a sacrifice, Satan was put to flight. And that is our cause for rejoicing. So, take to heart Psalm 21. The people to give thanks, that's the redeemed. The reasons to give thanks, because he gives the victory. And the time to give thanks, as soon as the victory is given. I trust that you will know victory today. The Lord will answer prayer for you, and that you will know God's grace afresh in your heart and in your life. Now we're turning to the hymn, All Power in Jesus' Name. May the Lord draw near. We're coming to this passage that has to do with Satan and all his evil works. And in chapter 5, verse 8, the exhortation, the warning is, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. We ask, uh, was Peter spooked into a strange notion of the spirit world, a dimension beyond the visible? Had Peter ever seen the devil? Well, we certainly know that he was under the devil's influence. We know that he was brought to a place of horrible defeat through the work of Satan that was out to sift him as wheat. But of course, the devil sifting, looking for chaff, really found wheat. And that's the marvel of God's grace in Peter's life. Now, this, of course, relates very much to the night when Peter was himself uh, defeated by the devil, when he was uh, a denier of the Lord Jesus. And notice the balance that Peter puts into these verses. After verse 7, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. In the very next statement, he says, but be sober, be vigilant. Don't go to sleep. Don't become lazy. Don't be caught off guard. And because you are able to cast your care upon the Lord and to roll your burden upon him, it is not a recipe 
to go to sleep. I wonder what Peter would say to Christians in the church today. What would he have to say to God's people in our generation? And I'm sure he would say exactly the same. Be sober. Be vigilant. For your adversary, the devil, goeth about seeking whom he may devour. He would want every one of us to be a vigilante, on guard, in the state of alert, lest we be caught and be brought down by the devil. Now, the greatest tactic of the enemy and the age-old trick is to catch people off guard. If there ever was a lesson of Pearl Harbor, the United States of America was totally caught off guard on a Sunday morning when I'm sure there were many sleeping in, when those that were supposed to be on high alert watching for the enemy were totally unsuspecting. And of course, the great advantage of submarines, that wasn't the only weapon of the Japanese uh, attack, of course, but uh, submarines are a, a marvelous invention to catch the enemy off guard when you're underwater and unseen. That was also the uh, success of the 9-11 attack on uh, New York, on the Pentagon, uh, September 2001. The surprise element. And of course, the enemy always wants you to think he doesn't exist. And that's exactly how the devil would seek to trick us. And therefore, Peter says, be sober, be vigilant, be on guard, be watching. And as I look at this verse and these exhortations of Peter here, I see a, a great many reasons why we are to be on watch. The first one is the reality of the devil. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil. To Peter, there is no question mark on the existence of a personal devil. Just as there is a God, there is a Satan. Just as there is good, there is evil. And of course, the whole history of the world is the history of these two opponents, God against the evil one and the evil one against God himself. Now, many people question the reality of a personal devil, and they say, unless we see him, how can we ever uh, be brought to uh, be on our guard to watch for him? Well, in this age of wireless technology, we should realize the possibility of an unseen, invisible world at work. Uh, years ago, it was really only the radio that was receiving signals through the airwaves. Now, the airwaves are filled with all kinds of messages, both analog and digital. And I have no idea how all those bits and bytes of information fly through the air, that you can set up a Wi-Fi hub and you can get your uh, computer to print without any wires, 
and the information that you have on the screen can go through the air to the hub, to the uh, uh, printer, and print it out. How can that happen? How is it possible? And of course, beyond that, you've got cell phone technology. And all those ones and zeros flying through the air in their proper sequence to take the message of your voice instantly to the person listening at the other end. And if you think of all the thousands and thousands of pieces of information which simultaneously are going through the air right now with legible, clear, message, meaningful messages to receivers all directions around us, and indeed to all parts of the world instantly, can we really doubt the possibility that there is a spirit world where there are messages flying around, where there are instructions given from one devil to another devil, or from the arch enemy, the devil himself, to his minions, the demons that are under his service? Is this warning of Peter really out of reach, out of touch, when he says that we are to be sober and vigilant. Now, we undoubtedly live in a spiritual world. There is a spiritual dimension to this world. We believe that there is a God who made this world. We believe that He lives, and He communicates, that He speaks, that He sends His Spirit. We believe that He sent His Son, that the Lord Jesus was the embodiment of the living God, and he spoke truth. Now it is, of course, the Lord Jesus himself that warned Peter about this enemy. Satan has desired to have you to sift you as wheat, and Peter went through that. And now he's saying to those he's writing to, you be sober you be on guard. Now, what was the origin of this devil? If there's a real devil, what do we know about his origin? Well, we don't know anything about the devil apart from what the Bible says. And the Bible does give us some information about the origin of this wicked arch enemy, this adversary, the devil. Two main passages are often cited as our source. Isaiah 14 and Ezekiel 28. I'd like you to turn up the Ezekiel 28 one uh, because I am more convinced that that passage is really relating to the devil more so than Isaiah 14. Uh, and we'll not get into all the interpretive issues of that. But in Ezekiel 28 and <clears throat> verse 14, Ezekiel 28, verse 14, Thou art the anointed cherub that covereth. Now, you'll notice right away that this is not just an earthly person. This is a cherub. This is an angel of some form. And I have set thee so. Thou wast upon the holy mountain of God. Thou hast walked up and down in the midst of the stones of fire, Thou wast perfect in thy ways from the day thou wast created. 
So we're dealing here with a created being, a perfect being until the day he was created. And then it says, till iniquity was found in thee. Now we are not given how that iniquity was introduced. We're not given what it was that entered into the heart of this evil one uh, that made him evil. We are told that he was created, created perfect, till iniquity was found in thee. And then we'll just read on to catch what the statement's referring to him. By the multitude of thy merchandise, they have filled the midst of thee with violence, and thou hast sinned. Therefore I will cast thee as profane out of the mountain of God, and I will destroy thee, O covering cherub, from the midst of the stones of fire. And then we get a little clue here in verse 17 to some of the background of the evil that was perpetrated that caused the devil to be cast out. Thine heart was lifted up because of thy beauty. And so those are into the fashion business, beware that beauty and glorying in one's image is the very reason that the devil was cast out of heaven. Now, as we go back to the history of creation, we know that the devil was introduced somewhere between Genesis 1-1 and Genesis 3-1, when Adam and Eve were tempted by the devil in the Garden of Eden. And from his being cast out of heaven, after somewhere after creation, he immediately became the enemy of God, and man was the focus of his work and his attention. And I'll tell you why. Because man was given dominion over all the earth, and the devil wanted that dominion. He claimed to be the God of this world. He wanted all authority in the world. And his attack was upon Adam, with whom God had made a covenant, who would be the head of the human race, who would be in absolute control of this world that God had created. And Satan immediately set his attack upon man. Now, who are the devil's helpers? And 2 Peter chapter 2, 4 is a very important passage here. It says, For if God spared not the angels that sinned, but cast them down to hell. And so we see that the devil was not alone. We have these angels, plural, and they were cast out likewise. So Satan is by no means a solitary enemy. He has multitudes of angels that follow him. If you go on over to Jude chapter, uh, verse 6, uh, just before the book of Revelation, you again have another reference to these angels. And the angels which kept not their first estate, but left their own habitation, he hath reserved in everlasting chains under darkness unto the judgment of the great day. 
Now, how many angels or these fallen angels are there? Well, let's turn over to Revelation 12 and to verse 3, and we get some more information here. Revelation 12, 3. And there appeared another wonder in heaven, and behold, a great red dragon, having seven heads and ten horns, and seven crowns upon his heads, and his tail drew the third part of the stars of heaven. And if you allow me to interpret stars as angels or devils, you have uh, a clue here to something of the ratio of evil demons or devils, wicked angels. They are a third, and they were cast out, and they were followers of the devil himself. And you'll see their work as you read on down that passage in verse uh, 5, and she brought forth a man-child who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron, and her child was caught up unto God and to his throne. And the woman fled into the wilderness, where she hath a place prepared of God, and they should feed her there a thousand two hundred six threescore days. And there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon fought his angels, and prevailed not, neither was there found any more in heaven. And the great dragon was cast out. That old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceiveth the whole world, and he was cast out into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. And so the Bible gives us fair amount of information about this spirit world, these created beings who, for some reason, fell into iniquity, who through pride and seeking to be as God were in rebellion to God's authority, and they were cast out. Now, our Lord Jesus met this devil himself in Matthew chapter 4, immediately after his baptism. Immediately he was led of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And if you know the account in Matthew 4, how several times Satan sought to have the Son of God worship him, and conditionally. He said, if you do this, if you do this, if you do this, bow down and worship me, I'll give you, I'll give you. And all the while, Satan's attack was to have Christ serve him and worship him. Now, we know that uh, the response of our Lord was that thou shalt worship God only. And there, uh, the Lord Jesus uh, defeated the devil and did not for a moment give in to the devil. And we know that uh, the devil was put to flight there, as in every time when Satan sought to attack the Son of God.
Satan, well, who wants to meet him? And the Lord Jesus did. That's the reality of the devil. Jesus met him when he was in the wilderness fasting 40 days, 40 nights, and the Satan came trying to trip him up. But there, the Son of God, greater is he that is in us than he's in the world. The Son of God defeated the Lord, the, 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 the devil himself, and Satan left him, left him there in victory. Jesus defeated the devil. He defeated them in the wilderness, but he also defeated them on the cross. And that is the victory that we have today, that Satan is a defeated foe. All his schemes, purposes, and plans have been thwarted, and he will never be king. He will never be the God of this world that he wishes to be. And those souls that he has led captive, well, he will one day uh, surrender them up, and the Lord Jesus himself will be King of kings and Lord of lords. And when the Lord Jesus comes the second time, then he will destroy the wicked one and cast him into utter darkness into that lake of fire. So it's a great thing to know that by the power of the gospel, we are delivered and that we are saved for all eternity. Christians are translated from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of God's dear Son. And Satan has lost his grip upon the redeemed child of God. We, therefore, must be very careful in this world that we do not walk into the trap of the enemy, but rather live near unto the Lord, near the cross, near the cross. There's the safe uh, abiding place for the Christian. And I do invite you to make sure that you get to the Lord every day of your life. Get to the Lord and get to the place of prayer and the place of power, lest Satan get the advantage of you. Because every one of us is much too weak to stand against the evil one. We need God's grace to overcome through the power of Calvary. Yes, let us be Calvary Christians. Let us be people who are trusting in the blood. And God says, when I see the blood, I will pass over you. So the blood is our victory over the devil. We are to plead that blood. We are to rejoice that the victory is ours and stay close to the Lord Jesus. I hope that will be your experience and that this message today has been of some help to bring you to a closer walk with the Lord. Stay tuned now for these final few announcements. You are listening to Let the Bible Speak, the radio broadcast of the Free Presbyterian Church in Canada. This is Pastor Ian Golliher. If you missed part of today's program or would like to hear it again, you can find it archived by program date on our website. Just go to www.ltbs.ca. CA for Canada. There you can read my blog, find my Bible study notes, audio and video sermons, as well as helpful articles. Or you can go to our podcast on iTunes. We're on the air Sundays at 9.30 a.m. for our full church broadcast and Monday to Friday, 5 a.m. and 5 p.m. on this station to bring you the gospel from our free Presbyterian church here in Cloverdale. 
We also invite you to our church services on Sundays, 10.30 and 6 p.m. Through our website, you can listen and view to our online services at 10.30 and 6 p.m. Make it your Sunday worship. Click on the Live Now button on the homepage of our website. Or if you would like to talk with me one-on-one as a pastor, please give me a call. The phone number is 604-897-2040. The mailing address is 187-9058 Avenue, Surrey, BC, V3S1M6. We're located just two blocks north of Number 10 Highway, on 188th Street. Our website again is ltbs.ca. You can join us Monday to Friday, 5 a.m., 5 p.m., here on this station as we let the Bible speak.